Bibles this morning to the book of 1 John again. We're going to move into that fifth chapter this morning. And believe it or not, beloved, again, John starts talking about love. Have you been with us any time recently? Have we been studying through the book of 1 John and so many other areas? God continues to bring that theme to our mind. And perhaps you're thinking, okay, enough with all the love stuff. I get it. Love God. Love others. Can we please move on to something else, John? But listen, John is not done here in his little book. In fact, as Joel Beek points out, John's first letter is like looking through a kaleidoscope. Do you all remember the kaleidoscopes? You'll ever have one of those? You look in it and you turn the end of it and you see a little bit different there. He says he keeps presenting us with the same truths from different perspectives. And here in chapter five, he gives the kaleidoscope another turn. And he presents a new uh, theme of loving God and loving one another and new birth and assurance and obedience. This time, the theme is from the perspective of our faith, our faith in Christ. But he said John's goal remains the same throughout. First of all, to reveal that what Christianity is so that all true believers will be assured of their salvation. Have that assurance that you're born again. And likewise, so that heretics and hypocrites will be exposed For their lack of faith. So this morning we're going to give the kaleidoscope another turn as we go in here in chapter 5 of 1 John and look at the theme of love and faith together. And I'll go ahead and give you the, the outline today. We're going to unpack it in a few moments. We're going to see today that our faith is real, our faith is victorious, and our faith is sure. Look at the first verse with me, would you? 1 John chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory That has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. This is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The father, the word and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. He who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar Because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. 
And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. God will bless the reading of his word, we know. But I want us to unpack in the few minutes we have together today. I want you to notice, first of all, this idea that our faith is real. Our faith is real. One of the reasons that we're given the book of 1 John is so that we may know that we have eternal life. We can have that assurance, that confidence. And in these opening verses of chapter 5, we're given some more proof to help us to have that assurance. God wants you to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, that you have eternal life. As Adrian Rogers used to say, it is much better to be a shouting Christian than a doubting Christian. In fact, he said, we ought not walk around like a question mark with our heads bent over. We ought to walk around like an exclamation point, knowing that our sin is forgiven, knowing that Christ is our Savior, knowing that heaven is our home. And in these first three verses, beloved, we find the entrance into faith being talked about here and the outworking of faith in our lives. Now, we know that we're saved by grace through faith. Notice verse one again says it very clearly here. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, that is the Messiah, the anointed one. Jesus is who he claimed to be. He is who he is revealed to uh, as in the Bible. If you believe, if you trust him, you are born of God. You are born again. Uh, John wrote in his gospel in John chapter one, verses 12 and 13, these words. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Everyone is saved the same way. They're saved by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved by grace through faith. And listen, that faith, it shows itself in our life. It bears itself out in our life. Gordon noted that faith is like calories. Think about calories for a moment. I know it's unpleasant, but think about calories for a moment. He says we cannot see them, but we can always see the results, can't we? You can't see the calories, but you see the results. And that's the way it is with our faith. While we may not be able to handle it and touch it and say, well, here's my faith. We see the results of our faith in our life. And there are three results mentioned here. First of all, love for God. Our faith, it, it, it brings us out love for God. It says in verse one, everyone who loves him. In verse two, it says we love God. So it brings about love for God. It also brings about, secondly, love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, it says there in verse one that we love him who is begotten of him. So we have love for God, love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And thirdly, don't miss this one. Obedience to God. Notice it says in verse two that we're to keep his commandments. Verse three says, for this is the love of God. What is it, John? What is the love of God? That we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Now, that word burdensome there in the New King James, it literally means oppressive, heavy. And he says they're not heavy. They're not oppressive. This is why Jesus gave this this uh, invitation. You remember these words from Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke 
is easy and my burden is light. Now, how is it that we have a John, the apostle, saying that his commandments are burdensome and we have the Lord Jesus Christ saying, listen, my yoke is easy. How is it that keeping his commands, obeying the scripture is not heavy or oppressive because we love him? Because it says very clearly in verse three, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. We really love God. We keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So how is it they're not burdensome? Well, first of all, we keep them because we love him. And we love him because he first loved us. And we understand that his commands, the teachings of Scripture, are for our good and for his glory. And we understand that the commandments and the Scripture, they're given as an expression of his love. And he says in his commandments, beloved, help yourself to happiness. Obey me. Just as you as a parent or grandparent would instruct your child or grandchild to not do certain things. Because why? You love them and you want to protect them. And at the same time, you say, listen, don't do that. But here's what you ought to do as you guide them and direct them. Let me ask you, which is heavier to bear? Obeying God's commands or not obeying? Let's take the idea of stealing. I hope we don't have any thieves among us today. We'll keep an eye out and make sure, but, but hopefully there's none here. But let's say you decide that you're going to disobey God and you're going to steal. You're going to take something that does not belong to you. Now, which is heavier? To, to, to not steal and obey God's command or to steal and live with the consequences? Well, you say, well, I, I stole something, but I've never been caught. Well, listen, you may not have been caught, but you have to live with yourself, don't you? You have to live with the knowledge that you have stolen, that you've taken what does not belong to you. You have to live with a guilty conscience. You have to live with an uneasiness, a fear you might get caught. A lot of you understand that as you're speeding down the highway looking to see if there's a state trooper there, there's a state trooper there, there's a state trooper there. There's that uneasiness, that, that fear, that, that concern. And the speeders are laughing this morning. Which is easier, to obey God? And not steal or to disobey God, which, which is heavier that you bear. You see, his commandments are not burdensome. They're not heavy. Now, it doesn't mean they're always easy. But they're not burdensome because we know that God has our good in mind. And God is saying, listen, my child, help yourself to happiness. Help yourself to wholeness. Help yourself to a, a, a better life. Because I have my love for you in mind as I give you commands, your good and my glory. You see, saving faith yields love for God and love for our fellow believers and obedience to God and to God's word. And so if this is true, then we know we're helped, we're assured that our faith is real. We really are a child of God. But notice, secondly, we, we find here in this passage that our faith is not only real, but it's also victorious. Look at verses four and five again. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Now, God not only wants you to live in assurance that is sure that you're born again. I had a gentleman speak to me last week. I was talking to them about eternal life and heaven and so forth. They said, you know, are you sure? And can you really be sure? And I was able to say, well, listen, First John 5.13 says very clearly, these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. God wants you to know. He wants you to have assurance, but he also wants you to have victory. 
and to live in victory. He wants us to be an overcomer, an overcomer. And as I was studying, uh, I ran across this thought. I want you to hear it from David Allen. You see, we must understand that as believers, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Please understand that. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Notice what it says in verse four. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, the world there we're reading about would be the world system, the evil world, satanically influenced world system. We're warned about it in chapter two. He says what? Love not the world. He's not talking about humanity because God loves the world. He wants every person to be saved, not when they should perish. So it's not humanity. It's that evil world philosophy and system. He says, listen, he who is born of God overcomes the world. If you're born of God, you're an overcomer. You're a victor. Why? Because Christ has won the victory. Listen to John's gospel, chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you have, have that in me you may have peace. Listen, in the world, you will have tribulation. Had any tribulation recently? Any problems, any trials, any any issues? Listen. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. You're a victor in Jesus Christ. Now, wait a minute, preacher. Maybe if you're honest today, say, listen, I really don't feel like a victor. Maybe a victim, but not a victor. I don't really feel like I'm living a victorious Christian life. I don't act like a victor. In fact, I, I, I know I'm saved. But if I were honest, I know I'm not victorious. It just said there, for whatever is born of God. Are you born of God? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Lauren helps us. He says this, there's a simple secret to the overcoming life, and it's twofold. First, be born. Second, believe. We see it right here. Now, if you're a child of God, you got the first part down. You're born of God. You've been born into the family of God. If you got that settled, you got the first part down. Now you need to believe. So, preacher, what do I need to believe? Believe what God says about you. God says you're a victor. You've overcome the world to believe what God says you are, who you are in Christ Jesus. In other words, to exercise faith, because keep reading in verse four for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So we're born. We say, what second? You have to believe, right? And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? What does it say it is? What's the next two words? Let's say it again. Verse four. If I look at verse four for whatever is born. Now, I'm not I'm fighting you today. You know why you've been hearing firecrackers go off all weekend and you can't hear and you're tired. Your belly's hurt from hot dogs and hamburgers. But stay here with me for a little bit longer. Okay, look at verse four for whatever is born of God overcomes. Lord, are you born of God? You're an overcomer. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Our faith. Our faith. And he says, who is he who overcomes the world? Verse five. But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God, we must exercise faith. Now, we're a victor. We're fighting what? Not for victory, from victory. Jesus has already overcome. He's overcome. He's overcome the world. 
We're born of God. We're in Christ Jesus. Now we have to fight from victory. As Jerry Vines put it, faith is the switch that turns on the power of Christ into our lives. Faith, our faith. Now, listen, we have all we need in Christ Jesus for faith, for victory. But here's the issue. We've got to appropriate that into our daily life. We have all we need in Jesus. Jesus Christ has made to me his old song. All I need, all I need. And so he's overcome the world. I'm in Christ. Everyone born of God has overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. And so I've got to turn that switch on. That's why we said we work from victory, not for victory. Maybe this will help. A Civil War veteran. Many years ago, obviously, a Civil War veteran used to wander from place to place begging for, for a, 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 a bite to eat and, and always talking about his friend, Mr. Lincoln, Mr. Lincoln. And because of his injuries, he was unable to hold down a steady job. But as long as he could keep going, he kept talking about uh, the beloved president, Mr. Lincoln. And somebody said to him one day, well, you say, you know, Mr. Lincoln, I'm not sure you really did prove it. So the old man replied, well, in fact, I I sure can. In fact, I have a piece of paper here that Mr. Lincoln himself signed and gave to me. And from his old wallet, the man took out a much folded piece of paper and he showed it to the man. And he he didn't apologize. He says, listen, I'm not much for reading, but, but I know right there that's Mr. Lincoln's signature. And the man took it and looked at it and he said, listen, man, you do. Do you know what you have here? He, he said, uh, you have a generous federal pension authorized by President Lincoln. You don't have to walk around like a poor beggar. Mr. Lincoln has made you rich. Now, here's the application. How many Christians today are walking around like that old poor beggar struggling along? Not realizing they have everything they need because of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have to appropriate it into our life to understand the word of God, to understand what God says about us, to understand we're fighting from victory, not for victory, to appropriate these things in our daily living. God has made us overcomers, but we act like undertakers, mournfully going along our way. Oh, whoa, it's me. I can't make it. No, you're an overcomer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because our faith is real. And our faith is victorious. But notice, thirdly, our faith is sure. Our faith is sure. Verses 6 through 12. And one of the ways we can build up our faith, the Bible talks about building up your faith, is to realize just how firm the foundation is upon which we rest. And chapter six, uh, chapter five, verses six through 12 gives us plenty of solid testimony concerning concerning just how firm our faith is. Now, listen, I need you to put your thinking caps on for just a few minutes because we're going to work through some stuff that at first reading. You might think, well, what is this all about? Talking about the water and the blood and the spirit. And then these three witnesses agree with this one. So I want you just to plug in for a few moments, okay? And look at this with me. Now, it appears as we look at verses 6 through 12, that the Apostle John was taking on a false teacher, a false teacher named Serenthus. Now, Serenthus, according to church tradition, he lived in Roman Asia. And he strongly opposed. He was strongly opposed by the Apostle John. And Serenthus, here's what Serenthus taught. And those like him, he taught that Jesus was only a man. All right. And that the divine Christ descended on Jesus at his baptism. So at his baptism, he became Christ and then it left him before the crucifixion. All right. So Jesus is a man 
At his baptism, the divinity, the divine Christ comes upon him. And before crucifixion, he leaves. Is anything wrong with that? (laughs) Everything's wrong with that, isn't it? Now, Jesus was a man, but he's the God man. Perfect God, the incarnation. Jesus, who is God, became flesh, became man without ceasing to be God. He was God from way before Bethlehem. He's existed for all eternity past. He'll be God for all eternity. He's always God, never ceased being God, but he's God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And so this is what a lot of scholars believe that that John here is going to be attacking here. This idea of Serenthus. And that's probably why verse six is worded the way it is. Look at verse six. This is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. There are a lot of ideas out there about what kind of what water are we talking about? What kind of what what's it referring to when it says the water and the blood? We kind of agree on the spirit, right? Everybody understands about the Holy Spirit. But what about the water and the blood? Well, we believe here the water is referring to the baptism of Jesus. All right. So it says there, this is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ only by water, referring to his baptism. And the blood, of course, would refer to his crucifixion. You know, the the baptism of Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus kind of serve as the bookends of Jesus's earthly life and ministry. Right. Of course, he did rise from the grave. We don't want to miss that point. But the, the baptism, the water and then his crucifixion, the blood. And so Jesus is testified of many witnesses. In fact, it says in verse seven, look at verse seven. Now, keep your thinking caps on for there are three that bear witness in heaven. So from a heavenly standpoint, who is this? the Trinity, the father, the word, who's the word? Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. John 1, 1. Right. So we have God, the father. We have the word who is the son, the Lord Jesus. And then it says, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. You say, well, preacher, explain to me the Trinity. You explain to me the Trinity. I believe it. I know it's true. That we have God in three persons, yet they're one. And we can use all kinds of illustrations to uh, illustrate that for you. But listen, if we could understand everything about God, he wouldn't be God. Okay? So some things we take by faith. We know that they are one and their agreement, their witness is one. Because it says here what? And there are three that bear witness on earth. Or excuse me, in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. They're one in person, and they're also one in their witness. They agree. Now, notice the next part. And there are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, who is that? The Holy Spirit, right? Then what? The water. And then what? The blood. And do those three agree? It says, the what? They agree as one. Now, we already said that the water is more than likely his baptism. The blood is his crucifixion. So how do they bear witness? Well, let's talk about it for a moment. What happened at Jesus' baptism? Listen to what happened at Jesus' baptism. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. Now, remember, Jesus did not get baptized because he'd just gotten saved. Okay? Our, our, our baptism, it shows that we've returned from our sin and placed our faith in Christ. It pictures his death, burial, and resurrection. But he comes as the, uh, the beginning of his ministry, an example of so many things. But listen to what happened when he was baptized, Matthew three sixteen and 17. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying what? Do you remember? 
this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So at the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a witness. There was a testimony that, yes, he is the son of God. Yes, he is the Messiah. Yes, he is the anointed one. That's one. Now, the next part was the blood, right? We said the blood refers to his death. Now, listen, at his death, he's still the son of God. I told you about a false teacher that said that at his death, he was no longer the son of God. Yes, he was. He was the son of God dying, giving himself for us. This is confirmed through all that happened that day. Matthew 27, 45. Now, from the sixth hour into the ninth hour, there was what over all the land? There was darkness. It got dark. Matthew 27, 46. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried up with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then, of course, a witness that nobody could miss. Matthew 27, 51 through 53. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Wouldn't you love to have been a fly on the wall that day? I would love to see the priest's face when that veil was torn. And then look at verse 52. Oh, this is verse 52. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. This was not an ordinary crucifixion on that day. The blood, the crucifixion, there was testimony, there was witness, there was confirmation. This is the son of God. This is the anointed one. This is the Messiah. So we have the witness of the water. That is his baptism and what happened there. The witness of the blood is crucifixion. What happened there? And then it says there's a witness of the spirit. That is the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. Now, the Holy Spirit was active throughout all of Jesus ministry, wasn't he? And listen, these two sets of three witnesses, you have two sets of three witnesses, the father, the son, the Holy Spirit, the water, the blood, and the Holy Spirit. These two sets of three witnesses all agree as one. And I can't help but think about what the law says. You remember the law says this in Deuteronomy 19:15, one witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits by the mouth of two or three witnesses. The matter shall be established. The Lord left no doubt whatsoever that Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the savior of the world. He witnessed it by himself. That is the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit and by his baptism and his crucifixion and by the Holy Spirit's work. In his life. Now, notice verse nine. Here's the point. If we receive the witness of men. The witness of God is greater. Tell you what, if I have a choice. So I'm going to believe I'll go with God every time. Right. Wouldn't you? The witness of God is greater for this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. And to deny this. And there are those who say, no, Jesus was just a good man. Jesus was just a good teacher. Jesus was just this or that. But he was not the son of God. You're calling God a liar. Look at verse 10 or 11. He who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. That would be the indwelling Holy Spirit, I believe. He who does not believe God has made him a liar. Because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. I tell you what, if you want somebody to testify in truth, who better to take the stand than God and the spirit of truth? Verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Now, here's what we're saying today, beloved. Our faith is real. 
We can be assured of it. Our faith is real. Our faith is victorious. We're overcomers in Christ. But we have to appropriate what he's given us. And thirdly, our faith is sure. But there's something I'd ask you here in the last moment or two, and that's this. Are you in the faith? Are you in the faith? I can stand today by the grace of God and say, my faith is real. My faith is victorious. My faith is sure because I know him as our Lord and Savior. I hope you can say that. But can you look at verse 12? It covers all humanity. In fact, it divides humanity in two nice groups. We're divided in all kinds of groups in the world, aren't we? We're divided maybe by our religion, our creed, our race, our bank account, our location. But God says, no. There's two groups. You find them in verse 12. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. Two groups. Everybody falls in one of those two. If you have the son, if you have the Lord Jesus Christ, you have life. If you don't, then you don't have life. And he makes it real plain, doesn't he? He says, if you have the son You have life. And if you don't have the son, you don't have life. Now, I want you to notice, but there's no middle ground. There's no third option. There's no door number three. No, there's two groups. You're in one of those two. And the answer is, do you have the son or not? If you have the son, you have a life. If you don't, you don't. As verse 13 says, these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You can't sit there today and say, listen, I can't know. Because God's made it plain. You can know. I want you to know. I want you to be sure. I want you to have confidence. I want you to know your faith is real. I want you to know you're a victor in Jesus Christ. I want you to be an overcomer. I want you to know you're standing on a firm foundation. Faith is not a hope so. Faith is a no so. We're going to talk about, all about faith in the upcoming weeks in, in uh, Sunday school. I hope you'll be here as we study the book of 1 Peter about a resilient faith. It's not just hoping or thinking, well, maybe faith is real. And so here's what I want to say to you in the closing moment. That's this. If you don't have the son today, receive him. And when you receive him, you receive life. And if you do, then live as an overcomer in the Lord Jesus. Get to know him and appropriate what he's given you and who you are in the Lord Jesus. Now, Father, I thank you for this time. And Lord, we've covered a lot of ground this morning. We've studied some things that are just mind boggling to us at times. But I pray the spirit of truth will teach us and confirm these things to our heart and help us to live them out. Lord, you've said that if we're born of you, we've overcome the world. And what is it overcomes the world? Our faith. Help us to be men and women, boys and girls of faith. Walking by faith and not by sight. Believing your word. Living out your word. Thank you that your commands are not burdensome. They're not heavy. They're not oppressive. You gave them to us because you love us. Now, Father, I pray if anybody here today does not have a son and therefore does not have life, as we sing this closing song, I pray that you bring them forward and allow somebody to take a Bible and share Christ with them and lead them to the cross and lead them to new life in Christ. 
And Lord, if there are believers here today that are struggling along, Lord, would you open their eyes to who they really are in Christ Jesus and what they really have in Christ Jesus and help them live a life of victory for your honor and your glory. Do what you would have done here now. Holy Spirit, work and move according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Real simple today. You need to be saved. You don't know that you have eternal life. You don't know. You have doubts about it. Here's what I want to ask you to do. We're going to sing 410. Ladies, if you move to the instruments, please. 410. It is well with my soul. If it's not well with your soul, I'm going to be standing right down there. Just come say, preacher, I want to make sure that I'm saved. I want to make sure that I'm born again. I'll just take you, receive you, place you with somebody. I'll take a Bible and share Christ with you. That's all we're going to do. Lead you to the cross. You're here today and you're a believer and God's burdened your heart about something. Maybe there's a struggle. Maybe today come and begin appropriating what you have in the Lord Jesus. You give that burden to Him. 410 will stand and sing. When peace like a river attendeth my way, it is well, it is well with my soul. You come as we sing today. You come. Thank you.